For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show with the handsome man himself, Dave Manuk. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple of hours. Oh, good. Ginsburg's in the chat, but yet he's not on the show. That makes a lot of sense. Here for the next couple of hours to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. We're getting you set. It's another Winnipeg Jets Saturday night game day. We're getting you set for the Jets and the Montreal Canadiens a little bit later on tonight from La Belle Provence. It's going to be the Jets and the Habs doing battle shortly after 6 p.m. puck drop, which means you got to keep it locked to Illegal Curve and IllegalCurve.com all day long for all your latest Winnipeg Jets news and audio. And then, of course, we wrap it tonight later on after the Jets and the Habs with the Illegal Curve postgame show right around 9 o'clock, give or take a couple minutes on either side there. We're going to recap everything that goes on between these two fine hockey teams. Dave M., good to see you on this Saturday morning. How are things in your world? Things are going well, Drew. Things are going well. Just uh, getting ready for a big game day. Jets and Moose both wrapping up their quick two-game road trips. Uh, Moose, of course, are in Texas where they started things off but with a little comeback victory and uh now of course the jets are going to see if they can extend their winning streak to four games so uh exciting times for the nhl and ahl clubs of winnipeg indeed it will be it's been a good week for the winnipeg jets thus far and they were in the need of a good week a bit of a uh, meandering start i would say to the season but this has been thus far since last saturday where they come back to beat the edmonton oilers and then of course a uh, relatively convincing victory on tuesday night and then following that up with another one on thursday night albeit you know they may have been hemmed in their own zone a fair bit uh mm-hmm. it's been a good week for the winnipeg jets anytime you can go three and oh uh with two of those three wins being in regulation time then that's certainly a good week and you know that they want to ice it with a victory in montreal tonight to real make it uh, a tremendous week you know any week where anytime you can go a full seven days in the nhl calendar without a loss and with uh, with victories it's certainly a good one and a feather in the cap and you know what they say in the nhl playoff teams win three games in a row uh relatively frequently and then they don't lose three games in a row uh you know on the on the flip side of that and so far the jets haven't lost three in a row they've won three in a row now and they look to make it four in a row later on tonight yeah, Andrew, look, as we talked about, even when they were one and three, they, the team was still playing relatively well. They've just had some, you know, situations, right? The L.A. game, they played the first period really well. Then they played, took two periods off, which, of course, you can't do in the NHL. Right. And then some other instances, like in the Vegas game, they were in it against a team that was undefeated at the time. And then they had a, a late brain fart and end up costing themselves at least one, maybe two points. So, look, there, there's been more good than bad, I'd say, from this hockey club. And, and it's funny because... One of the um, one of the headlines today in the morning papers was uh, I want to get the exact quote, but it was like, it, "What a difference a week can make." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Like it's funny how you don't you don't uh, end a season based on the first few games of the season. You also don't plan the parade 
based yeah. on you know the first few days of the season. So, I mean, it's it's important for for the for Jets fans to you know look at what this team has been able to do overall. Right, you've lost Gabe Velarde, and mm-hmm. you've continued to. I mean, you've won the games when you lost the guy who was going to be your number one right winger, and suddenly you're, you're you you haven't kind of missed the beat. You have Alex Iafalo. Obviously, it was Mason Appleton originally, and look at look at how well Mason Appleton is doing in that role that he's currently had. And we talked about it after the game um, on Thursday night, Drew. But you know who expected Mason Appleton to already have three goals in seven games right. when he had five and forty-one last year? So when you're getting some depth scoring, and overall your team is playing well, and and most importantly, and it's always going to be most importantly with the Winnipeg Jets, Connor Hellebuck is Connor Hellebuck again. And if you look at the way, and it's one thing I was thinking about, Drew, if you look at the way this schedule works out for Winnipeg, mm-hmm. it's a really easy schedule in the sense that, and I don't mean necessarily the teams they're playing, but the way it's laid out. They don't have back-to-backs. They don't have a lot of games consecutively, and even like in like two or three-day blocks. So like right. they'll play tonight, then they don't play again until Monday, then they don't play again until Thursday. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of spaced out well for them. And and yeah, you're right, Drew. This This team definitely wants to go into Montreal uh, and and pick up another another victory and really kind of put a little because they got lucky right in the sense that the other central teams started to slide I, uh, on Thursday night every central team was was had an L in the column with the exception of St Louis who I yeah. believe had a comeback win against the Oilers so uh, or maybe not a comeback flames. Win. So they, they shut the sh- flames they shut out the flames in Calgary the flames were booed off the ice if I recall correctly no it, well it was, they they did it to both teams they, they they shut out the Oilers and they shut out the flames but I think you're right I think it was the flames first then it was the Oilers on Saturday night mm-hmm. uh, Joel Hoffer the uh, Winnipegger I think got his first shutout of his career because you're talking about folks, last Saturday no it couldn't have been the it couldn't have been Saturday night because the Jets and the Oilers played on Saturday night doesn't matter the point is the uh, oh no the, no no. Uh, well, no, the, Tuesday they, they, night and Thursday night. Maybe oh, Tuesday okay, night they beat the Oilers and Thursday night they beat the Flames. Yeah, and I was going to say Joel Ho- Hoffer. Hof- yeah. Hofer or Hoffer? I think it's Hofer. I think it's Hofer too, but yeah. we'll see. But anyways, the point is he, if Jets fans will remember, mm-hmm. didn't get credited with a shout-out against Winnipeg last year when St. Louis was, I think, in Winnipeg because he had an equipment issue, if you recall. That's right. So That's right. so the I don't remember who the – it was probably Bennington – came in and, and played a few minutes and then Hofer went back into the net. And of course he was not, even though they shut out the jets, they didn't get credit. He didn't get credit. So that was his first career shutout, I believe uh, against either Calgary or Edmonton, but regardless St. Louis was, well, no, it must've, it must've been Thursday night. Whoever St. Louis beat, they beat them on Thursday night because it, it they was were Calgary. the only other. Yeah. They was the only other central team that had won a, a game that evening. So uh, the Jets have put themselves in a position where they're now back into third place. And again, like I said, I, I promise people I will not uh, scoreboard watch or standings watch. But again, we've talked about it. Uh, I remember a lot last year is mm-hmm. that it's so important to bank points early in the season. So you're not doing the chase up game and, and trying to, you know, again, what the Jets had to do, even though they had banked a lot of points to January of 2022, 2023, sorry. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things you want to be able to do. And so it's good for the Jets that after even though you played well and you felt good about your team overall, one and three is still one and three. And that you are who your record says you are. Now you're four and three and you're feeling a little bit better. And again, if you can come back home for the big Blake Wheeler game on Monday, five mm-hmm. and three, that that is going to really hold you in a good stead. Yeah. By the sounds of things, uh, at least this is what I read in uh, in Mike and, and Ken's column, the their whip around the league or whatever, my, whatever they call it. Uh, dump and chase. Dump and chase. Thank you. They dump and chase. Uh, and I think it was a today's free press. So at least I read it online. Uh, so I presume it's in the hard copy of the free Mike, press. Mike, unfortunately oh. for him, is, remains dump and Kenny is now chase. 
Yes, that's an unfortunate turn of events there for Mike McIntyre. I didn't get my hard copy of the free press today. Remind me to send an email later on about yeah. uh, having not received that. Um, but the point is, it sounds like Lauren Persuade going to get the start tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. So, you know, which is, which is you know, fine. I mean, you know you have to give him, get him starts, and you know you have to get Connor Hellebuck more games off than you've done in previous years. So, you know, this seems like a perfectly fine opportunity to to give Hellebuck a night off, and I don't really have much of a quibble or much of a question regarding that, but it's more the usage of some of the forward lines that mm-hmm. we, that my question is. You know, you in, in most people's minds, you line them up and the... So, someone was listening to 32 Thoughts. Well, I mean, I'm not talking... I mean, uh, yes, they they broached it as well, talking about the usage of Cole Perfetti and, and, and the time on ice there. I, I do think, though, that it's, you know, it's time for Arneal or Rick Bonus whenever he's back behind the bench. I think mm-hmm. it is time that you see an increased time on ice for what most people call the Jets' second line, that being Ehlers, Nemesnikov, Perfetti. In reality, that's the third line based on deployment. Mm-hmm. They're using the Lowry line much more frequently. I think it's time to see that third line, the the or the, the I'll call it the Ehlers, Nemesnikov, Perfetti line, so that there's no confusion, to get increased ice time because that has been one of the Jets' most efficient lines and one of the most uh, possession-positive lines yeah. as of late. I mean, Shifley, Connor, and Velarde were incredible possession-wise in the very short window that they played together. But right. since velardi has been gone and ifalo has been up there, that's actually been a negative possession line. It's been sub-50% uh, mm-hmm. when they've been on the ice together. But Ehlers, uh, Ehlers uh, Nemesnikov, and, and Perfetti oh, sure. have been positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, there's... It, it, you know, as those guys, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman uh, said on, I, I thought it was a very curious. I don't know. Did you listen to the whole thing or no. did you read the, okay, well, I just thought their comments were, were curious. Like you basically said, like, you have to let the agent know. And I'm thinking to myself, like, uh, why? At what point have we, have we, like one thing to say to Cole Perfetti, Cole, this is, this is what we're planning on doing. And, and, you know, we want to use you more, but you know, for right now, this is what we're going to do right. and make sure that the players on board. And that's one of the things. Jets players have been able to say of this coaching staff is that they're, you know, led to they're they're informed as to where they stand and what, you know, is kind of a plan with them. So that's one thing, but I just thought it was a very curious comment that like, you have to make sure that the agents know. And it's like, why? And what, like, have we gotten to the point now where the, I mean, we have actually, if you think about it, I mean, if you look at the, go back this summer and think about the role, the agents played in the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation sure. and like, the agents are the ones brokering trades. And, and that's what I mean. Like, yeah. the, that's what I'm saying. Like, like his agent was actually like brokering trades, calling teams, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. it, it is very unusual. The, the, I don't want to say power, but it, the role that agents now seem to possess, which I mean, I, again, Drew, we've been watching this league or covering this league for a long time. I don't ever recall agents having sort of this level of authority uh, within organizations and the idea that they can, they need to be informed. It's like, no, like, you know, if a team tells a player and then the player calls their agent, the idea that the general manager of a hockey team has to inform an agent of a player who's under contract as to their plan. It, it I don't know. I'm not saying that Perfetti obviously wanted that or desired that or uh, called for it. I just thought it was a bizarre ask or statement by Friedman yesterday in terms of the necessity to inform the agent. Now getting the teams, the agent, sorry, and then, he would be on board with everything that's going on. Getting back to your original question, though, I, yeah, I mean, you definitely like what you've seen from the Perfetti line, mm-hmm. but you also, as those two acknowledged on their on their podcast, you have to it, 
offset it with the fact that the Jets have now won three games in a row. So it's hard to argue with success and say, well, let's change what we, and let's be realistic. This is hockey. They don't change easily. And once you find a formula that seems to work, you stick with it. So to me, you know, is, is that, I think what, what was in on Thursday's game, Perfetti had two shifts in the last 10 minutes. And the third, the second one came with like 22 seconds left in the game or something like that. When it was out of, when it was out of hand already. Yeah. When it's already four one. So, I mean, like, I think there's, there's no question that you, and, and Scott O'Neill acknowledged at the end of the uh, game and in yeah. a question to Kenny, um, that idea that this, they want to get Perfetti more minutes. Well, the only person who controls whether Perfetti gets more minutes, Scott, is you. So right. if you want to get him more minutes, it's not a difficult situation. But again, like I said, I, I do understand situationally if you're concerned about protecting a lead and you don't feel that he's yet ready there, then yeah, you then you I do think- throw in someone like Morgan Barrett. And give him an opportunity to get that ice time or whatever. Well, that that would be the that would be my sort of follow up. There is why do they think he's not ready for that instance? Is it? Be, I mean, I I have to believe it's just they think that he's undersized. And well, you know, newsflash: he's never going to not be undersized. It's not mm-hmm. like there's a growth spurt coming between grade six and grade seven here, where all of a sudden he's going to shoot up to being five, six foot three. You know, mm-hmm. he you, you drafted him knowing this, but you also drafted him knowing that he's one of the most intelligent players, that he's got tremendous hockey smarts, and that he's got that ability to even you know handle those what I'll describe as heavier situations. This isn't a player who's defensively irresponsible you know in in his own zone and i understand that you don't you know if he was a raw rookie you wouldn't necessarily want to throw him out there because you know it does take you know law there's a learning curve when it comes to success in the nhl but i'd say at this point cole perfetti and you know some of his line mates have have earned that responsibility they've done enough and shown enough that they're not, you know, defensively irresponsible. That they can handle, you know, minutes in a close game because they're possession positive. So if you're yeah. possession positive in the first fifty minutes of the game, mm-hmm. there's no reason to think that you're all of a sudden going to be possession negative in the last ten minutes. Now there's obviously going to be instances where you get hemmed in and that's just the nature of hockey. I mean, you can't, you know, you, it, it well, happens as you to said, the best your, of the best. Like your top line. Right. Your top line is possession negative. So, you know, it happens to the best of the best, but if, if, if for the majority of the games they've played together, they've been mm-hmm. able to control the puck and they've been able to control the flow of play to all of a sudden yank that from them because they're not able to handle those minutes when it, you know, when push comes to shove or when mm-hmm. it's crunch time, to me just doesn't logically it doesn't compute i mean it's coach brain is what i think it is that small guys can't handle you know uh you know tough minutes you know that to me is coach brain we've talked about coach brain on this show before where coaches get so trapped in their way of thinking because of how they've handled things for so many years and so many decades before that they can't adapt to me that's an instance right now where they don't seem to be able to adapt yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, it's it, it's hard to argue with the fact that you've had the success, but you're right, right, Drew. At the same time, like you look at that line, and the line has been able to possess the puck. So, I mean, what is the number one thing that this you you always want to do in hockey is have the puck on your stick, and that is something that this team, uh, that line story specifically, is been able to do. And so, yeah, I mean, look, 
we'll we'll see if Scott O'Neill follows what he says, which is you know get Perfetti out because I mean, look, if Perfetti isn't ready, then send him to the AHL. Well, like, but you don't there's, nobody who's, there's nobody who thinks and I'm being he isn't sorry, ready. I'm being, yeah, no, no, I know that, but I'm and I'm being sarcastic, of yeah, course. Your well, I mean, not cheek, not that I'd be okay. I'd be okay with covering him uh, on the moose, <laughs> but but I'm just saying that I'll, I'll tell you who wouldn't be okay with that. Cole Perfetti's agent. <laughs> yes, yes, good point, good point. Yeah. And I agree with Scott's comment that you know, like to me, it's like one of those things. It's like again, you just have to work hard and, and earn your ice time, and that's the way. But again, today, it's it's not the way it was. You know, like it like hockey isn't hockey from 20 years ago. And again, like the, the coddling of players and the agents and everything else has completely changed from what yeah. it was when you did have to just put your nose to the grindstone, work your ass off, earn your minutes and force them to not be able to take you out and that sort of thing. So it's it's not that way anymore. So I, I understand it. I mean, you lament certain elements of things that have changed, uh, in my opinion, for the worst, which is like something like this, where the idea that you have to, you know, coddle uh, these the, well players in general and the agents specifically, but getting back again to this idea of minutes. And I just think like, yeah, well, like, I, I mean, again, I'm not losing my mind that Cole Pervetti is, is only playing 10 minutes, but at the same time, yeah, you do expect for your second line overall to be in that, you know, 14 to 16 minute mark. I mean, think about it for years, Drew. Um, you know, what was the big thought? Like, why is Ehlers only playing 14 to 17 minutes a game or, Right. 18 minutes a game or something like that while you're you're running the other lines down and and one of the things about this jets club and forgetting about the specificity of the second line or focusing on the second line one of the biggest things you wanted to see from this from this jets club was the fact that they were going to roll their lines because they have that depth because you can get scoring from the third line because you can get scoring from the fourth line and not worry about them getting scored on so to me it, it, it's also and again it's it's a function of keeping your first line fresh. I mean, when you're playing these guys 25 minutes a game or 23 minutes a game or 21 minutes a game, even yeah. you're just, you, you don't necessarily have as much left in the tank. I don't care that they're in superior shape. It's just an unnecessary taxing on your players, especially early in the season when you, you should be able to have that trust to distribute it a little bit more evenly. Yeah. It, it, it's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, look, these are, Look, it, it, the deployment of players is, is something that 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 uh, ebbs and flows throughout the course of, of an entirety of the of a regular season. So right now, you know, with the Connor Shifley and Aya Fallow line, you know, I'm going to use the word struggling, but I don't think it means struggling in the in in the really overwhelming sense of, mm-hmm. of the word. I mean, it's not like they've been bad. They haven't been as effective as Connor, Shifley, and Velarde. That was, I mean, you know, again, they only played two games and 24 minutes of five-on-five ice together, and they were at 74% possession. We know how good that line was before Velarde went down uh, with the injury, and it certainly dipped significantly. Only 42% possession uh, for, for Connor, Shifley, and Ayafalo, but we know how quick strike uh, Connor and Shifley can be. We, we've, we've seen it over so many years now that it's not necessarily breaking news. To me, though, it's just a little bit of an interesting thing to watch Watch as the games go on and as crunch time occurs, because you can't run Appleton, Lowry, uh, and uh, Niederreiter. And, and Niederreiter, you know, <laughs> every shift uh, in the last 10 minutes of a game. At some point in time, you do need to rely on other forward lines to take some of the difficult matchups, to potentially take difficult faceoffs in your own zone, and to be able to uh, and be able to handle that responsibility and. 
you know, I, I do think that Ehlers, Nemestikov, and Perfetti can handle that responsibility, and I'd like to see them get sort of more of an opportunity to do so, play more minutes in those crucial crunch times of, of games where the Jets are either trying to um, maintain a lead or, or increase a lead or whatever the, the specifics are, assuming it's a close game at that point in time. You know, especially, you know, tonight, you look, and we'll touch more on the Montreal Canadiens, the Jets opponent later on uh, in, in the course of this program. But you look at that Canadians team tonight, Dave, and that defense that they have back there, the forward group has got you know some nice pieces, a little yeah. bit aging, a little bit getting older with some of them. They still have obviously the young players in Suzuki and Caulfield, but you know, towards the bottom of their lineup, they're getting a little bit older with guys like Gallagher and, and Pearson and Monaghan, but those guys can still play. Those guys are still, don't get me wrong, bonafide NHLers, but it's the defense that you have to be able to exploit on the Montreal Canadiens because it's uh, certainly not uh, a, a team of household names. Some Jets you know, fans might be more familiar with it. Obviously, Johnny Kovacevic is, is there since he left the, the Manitoba Moose, and he's fit in very nicely, as we talked about, really ad nauseum for the last little while. But other than that, it is not a, uh, it's not a name brand uh, not a name brand defense that you would hope the Jets, with their offensive depth and their offensive firepower, are able to exploit tonight against the Habs. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, look, it's it's Montreal is a team that's still on the grow mm-hmm. and and developing all of their young assets and and you're you're still I mean, look, they're hoping to take that next step and you're right, Johnny Kovacevic is, is we'll talk to Mark Dumont about him a little bit later in this show, Drew, but like yeah. it, it's definitely a team that is not still not expected to challenge and that's the reason why the whole PL Dubois situation in the summer was a little bizarre because it was like, you're not a team that's ready to challenge for the Stanley cup. Right. And you're going to trade away assets potentially, even though of course they wanted to give the jets a, a handful of seeds for, for the, for the player. But it wasn't a team that anybody was like, this is a team that's ready to make that next step. So from a jets perspective in a team that has playoff aspirations, not that Montreal doesn't of course, but for a team that does, you know, you do need to have a good start. And you need to ensure that you take it to these guys. Because again, these are the types of games you can't really afford to lose and be like, okay, well, we had three in a row. Like this mm-hmm. is the time where you can really put a streak together and 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 start to, you know, gain some... Because look, Colorado finally suffered their first loss after going undefeated for mo- for the majority of the time. Uh, Minnesota has been having a little bit of an, a hiccup uh, in the Central. But I just think that the Central, and it's what we talked about before the season even began, is that after uh, Colorado and Dallas? Yeah, and even Dallas hasn't been like tearing it up. But well, after Colorado, one. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, it, yeah. they're good, obviously. But I'm just saying, like, it's not like they're out of uh, reach of the Jets. What I'm getting no, at, of course not. And so, yeah, again, obviously, very early in the season. But I just think it's a it's a function of this this. You could put yourself in that conversation for two, maybe not necessarily know. one, but you're just keeping yourself in that mix. And this is the type of game where you need to have again a strong start. Mont Brassois played well in his in his first game of the season. So you want to show that you've got faith in him to yes. uh to plus you know, a be big a- game for him returning to his home province of Quebec. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I could sense where you're going, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Drew's being sarcastic. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's being <laughs> that wink was that, that I was doing there wasn't yeah. me suffering a stroke. That was Lauren Persuad, despite his last name, is from BC, not from Quebec. No, I know, but where, where was it on a broadcast for someone? I don't remember. I do remember when someone Something was talking like about yeah. the, you know, the Frenchman Lauren Persuad, and I was like, huh? I'm like, well, his name <laughs> is French, and yeah, I, yeah. I believe the story was that his one of his grandparents was from Quebec. 
but ultimately you're right. He was born and raised in BC. Yes, exactly right. So it's certainly not uh, not a homecoming for him, but uh, he's expected to be the Jets starting goalie. We'll find out a little bit more about that in about uh, what time the Jets hit the ice. 11.30 Eastern, so 10.30 10 yes. Central. So while we are still being uh, on air, assuming that uh, YouTube doesn't pull the plug, entirely possible that they might finally uh, pull the plug on this uh, debacle. But sure. uh, assuming we're still on the air at 10.30, we'll give you the latest on the Winnipeg Jets game day skate. Uh, it was an off day for the Jets yesterday, so we're not really yeah. expecting any lineup changes. I don't recall uh, anybody you know, being banged up uh, on Thursday night in Detroit, so we would expect that there'd be no lineup changes except for, of course, uh, Lauren Prasois expected to be the starting goaltender tonight, but that too could be incorrect we'll find out more in about one hour's time give or take when we come back on the program our good friend sarah orleski is going to join us we'll talk to sarah about the jets start to the season we'll talk to her about blake wheeler's homecoming on monday night that's a big game on the calendar that a lot of people have circled we'll talk about the start to the season and everything else sarah orleski joins us next saturday morning drew mandel dave manuk this is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Bottom of the hour, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk with you on this Saturday morning. Reminder, after tonight's game, the, the Illegal Curve post-game show, right around 9 o'clock, give or take, talking about the Jets and the Habs and everything that goes down in Montreal. To talk more about the Jets, we're pleased to welcome back to the program our very good friend, Sarah Orleski, senior, uh, senior host for the Jets? Is that the official title? Did I get that right? <laughs> yes. Senior host and producer. Jamie okay. Thomas likes to say that I tried to get as long of a title as possible <laughs> while going in. So you can say you can say whatever. It's only Jamie that I make say every single part. That's the important. <laughs> look, look, uh, Jamie and I are in the same fantasy football league. So uh, when it comes to giving and actually multiple fantasy football leagues, when it comes to giving Jamie uh, the gears, I'm, I'm an expert at that. So I try to keep it, you know, uh, that's behind the scene. It's a little bit of sneak peek behind the scenes of Jamie and my and, and my relationship. <laughs> but I'll, I'm definitely going to be much nicer to you, Sarah, as I usually am. Uh, you know, you, you scare me a little bit. Jamie, not so much. <laughs> How was the AMA? How was the Reddit AMA yesterday? You know what? It was a lot of fun. Actually, someone on there said that they had seen some of our content in the off season and it they felt that I didn't have a, I didn't seem to have a lot of patience for, for Jamie. I did for Mitch. And for Jamie. But Jamie and I, you know, I felt like I needed to explain to people that um yeah, Jamie and I go way back. We've known each other for so many years. Um, when he was with Sportsnet and kind of in our TV broadcasting lives. So Anyways, we have a, a long history and he's a ton of fun, but that I mean, it was a, it was a great time. Um, I really enjoyed having the opportunity to you know, interact with some of the fans. And it's always tough, though, because, you know, people will ask, they always want to know who's who's the funniest, who's the most interesting guy that you've spoken to on the team. And I say it's kind of like picking, I don't know, it's kind of like picking kids. Like, you <laughs> this one, I don't, you know, they all have the there's so many great things I think about dealing with players and kind of in any league that, that you deal with, that um, there's different things about different players that you appreciate so much, but I always love the opportunity to be able to chat with Jets fans. It's always a lot of fun. Sarah, I was going to ask you who your favorite member of a legal curve was. I thought that would be the most important question that it could be dropped on that AMA. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Okay. You can say none of the above. That's also an acceptable answer. <laughs> 
Uh, Sarah obviously brought John talk about the Jets season so far. You know, a good week for the team, three and zero, looking to make it four and zero tonight in Montreal. You know, you know, the the first few games there were some peaks. You know, the game in Calgary to start the season, although it was a loss, obviously, you know, didn't go well and or you know didn't end well. But the the play on the ice was good, and then you know the win in the win versus Florida and the loss against LA less good. So it's sort of little ups and downs, but it seems like they're now sort of finding their 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 rhythm, which is always takes some time you know, to begin the year, to sort of find where you're going to level off at, uh, at least as a baseline. Would you agree with that assessment that they sort of seem that they now know, you know, where they, their game needs to be at to be successful, at least early on this season? Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I think if you ask them, they always knew where their game needed to be at. It's just that it wasn't there. But certainly they had their ups and downs early. And mentioned it's it's so easy to make, I think, early judgments and and yet it's it's something that we shouldn't do because it is only seven games in and it is you do look at it and go okay they need a little bit more time you look at some of the teams that either have done really well to get it for their start so far this season or conversely ones that have really struggled but have been surprising you go okay you need to give them a little bit of time to see where everything factors out and where it levels out and i think that hopefully that's what we're seeing from the jets now that what we're seeing from them in these last couple of games is what we can expect to see from them throughout this season. I think that going into this year, didn't know exactly what this team was going to be, obviously with the changes that had been made for it, the departures of the new arrivals, different um, responsibilities given to different players. And so I think that there's a feeling out process that they think of all of the injuries that they had in the preseason and or illnesses that impacted the way that the lineup was going to be. So we didn't get the chance to see all those lines that I was so excited. Rick bonus told us before preseason even started what sort of lines we were going to see. And then we didn't, we rarely got to see them because of the injuries or illnesses and then Gabe Velarde goes out. And so that really impacts every line and they have to shuffle around. So I think that you're starting to see the players settle in now more, um, play the system that they know that they need to play in order to have success. And hopefully that this is something that they're just going to continue to build on for Jess fans. Because you look at the way that um, the division is shaping up right now. Then you look at the conference overall, you know that this is, even though there's some teams that haven't gotten off to good starts, there are others that have, you don't want to be in that (laughs) mushy middle with it, you certainly want to be able to assert yourself. Well, you know, Sarah, one of the things that we've talked about with this Jets club is the vibe around the room and the, just the different feel. And 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 you did have a major shift with trade with uh, buying out Blake Wheeler and trading Pierre-Luc Dubois and obviously bringing in the guys from LA. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in the room. We can see what it's like at prac after practice or after, you know, whatever, a morning skate, but you have an even more in-depth look at what's going on behind the scenes. So from your perspective, obviously not revealing too much of what's going on behind the curtain, but what are you well, noticing? Free, That's fine also. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. I'm just trying to keep Sarah in her role, Drew. I don't want to get Sarah fired. So hang on. Ex, yeah, ex-senior host and producer. <laughs> That's right. The newest member of the illegal <laughs> Sarah, that's fine. We'll always have you. You know that. But but just from that, from your perspective, what are you noticing in terms of that idea of vibe and how this team has gelled throughout the preseason and through the first seven games? Yeah, you know what? I noticed, I think that I noticed a change last year. And, and to be fair, I, it was challenging for the previous years that, you know, you could hear bits and pieces about, you know, what 
what the dynamic might be like, but we weren't in the room because right. of the COVID, COVID restrictions. So that's a long time to go without having any interactions. I mean, to just constantly in my situation to just do Zoom interviews or for broadcast to do headset interviews. I mean, I would, I, when Nate Thompson um, came and went, the Jets, I sent him a message after he, um, after he left the team and said, I think this is the first time that I've ever said, thanks for the interviews. And I've never actually talked to you face to face. <laughs> so it was tough to get a read on everything or just a sense on it. And I don't think that we ever truly know, despite the fact that we're in the room, you know, you, you still get such a limited view of it, mm -hmm. but there, I felt that last year you started to see a change um, in the vibe around that room. And then again, this year, uh, I think that just from even speaking to players, just the, I think that they recognize um, personality wise, like for us and you guys in with media that, that, you know, they need to show more personality. They want to show more personality for it. And mm -hmm. I think that, I think that when you look at it overall, that this is a team that gets along really well, um, that there doesn't seem to be maybe the veterans versus young guys um, or, or cliques going through there that there just seems to be, I think that Adam Lowry and the leadership group as a whole, but Adam being captain is a great choice. Uh, you hear the stories, even Gabe Velarde, I think, went over for dinner for at Adam's place, whether it was the beginning of training camp or maybe even before training camp had started, um, he had had him over. And I just think that there's, there's a really good chemistry within that room right now. And if that's something that anyone, you know, we can say about any sports and any team, it doesn't matter whether you're at the professional level or you're talking about amateur sports, you're talking about kids sports, that chemistry off the ice can impact on the ice so much and and you can have all the talent in the world on the ice but if if that vibe isn't there if that chemistry isn't there if they don't whether it be get along it can be challenging to make it work especially in a season um as long as as an nhl one is so i really like what we've seen from the jets it's a fun room to go into guys seem more relaxed you can go and talk to them me and dave knows that you know, guys are at their stall more often. You can just go and have mm -hmm. conversations with them where I didn't always feel in previous years. And this is going, you know, this even be going way back. A lot of guys would try to get out of the room really quickly. Yeah. Or it just didn't seem to foster that. And you'd go into other dressing rooms and, and sometimes you'd see players sit around and talk. And you can talk to the guys about a variety of things, whether it be things relating to the team's game, their own game, or you could sit and talk to them about fantasy football. They love talking about <laughs> how their football teams are doing as well. So I really like what's going on in that room. I think that a lot of credit goes to the leadership group, but I think a lot of credit goes to that coaching staff as well. well Sarah, you can, Sarah, you can have situations like a young child walking up to Nate Schmidt and saying, you're bald. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? If you're gonna say it to anyone, at least you say it to Nate because he's such a good he's such a good sport yeah. with it. And he's got and he's so great with anytime you see him interact with kids. But uh, yeah, if you're gonna say it to anyone, it, he would have been the one to say it to. <laughs> yeah. I, my kids say it to me on a daily basis, and that's when I chase them around the house. Nonetheless, Sarah Orleski, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Saturday morning. You know, Sarah, you talk about the vibe, and you know. Players would love to say that you know they don't worry about their contract situation, but they're humans. So when there is uncertainty regarding contracts, it's inevitable that it weighs on them. Uh, that uncertainty with Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck has now released, given that they've signed long term here in Winnipeg. 
how do you think that they've sort of adjusted as a result of now knowing that they have that security and that they have those long-term contracts? Do you feel as though there's sort of just a, uh, not necessarily a, a new vibe around them, but just sort of a one less thing for them to be focused on aside from their on-ice performance? For sure. It's mentioned, how could it not? They're human. And, and every time a, every time a player or anyone tells you that they're not concerned about it, I don't know how you can't be. It's got a way on you a bit, whether it be um, internally, be the questions that you get from friends and family, from media. I mean, it's just always hanging over there. And I think it does, it hangs over the room as well, because especially when you're looking at players that have the significance to the roster, like Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck do, that if you don't know, okay, well, what's going to happen? Are they going to be traded at some point? Are they going to be here after the deadline? I think that it just, it creates, it, it creates a different um, feeling around that room. So I know that having spoken to Mark, that he felt that it was a relief to get it done. I think Connor too. And the good news is that I don't think either of those players are the type that you're going to see any sort of drop off in their play because they've secured the long-term deal. You know how sometimes you see that player, mm. they've got that great season going into that final year of the contract, <laughs> and then they sign that long-term deal, and then you just see it really plateau. And I don't think you're going to see that with either of those players. You look, Connor Hellebuck is incredibly, we all know, incredibly motivated for it. He's that type that I don't think whether you gave him a three-year deal or you gave him um, – a seven-year deal, a 10-year deal, that it would change the way that he approaches anything in his desire. He is solely focused on winning a Stanley Cup uh, and getting and doing whatever he has to do to get to that point. And I think that Mark, as well, you look at the way that kind of his career has gone up, plateaued maybe a bit in terms of what you look at the way that he was viewed maybe around the league. Um, and I think that for him, having that security now for it, knowing that that contract is taken care of, that he can continue to try to um, take his game to the next level because you know how motivated he is. I mean, he thinks hockey all the time. And and one of the things that I've really loved that I've seen from Mark um, from a leadership standpoint is, you know, it's, it's not like he's 25 anymore. So he's 30. So different expectations for, for him as well, that he's taken on that leadership role with a guy like Cole Perfetti that you know, even though Perfetti's moved to the wing, you know that those two are close. And um, earlier on this season, a couple of weeks ago, I saw Mark and Cole stayed out on the ice about 45 minutes after practice ended. And Mark was going over stuff with Cole um, and Brad Lauer and, and trying to, okay, so in this situation, this is what you do. And this is how you've got to move in this one. You got to watch out for, you know, you've got to protect yourself this way. Look at doing, look at moving the puck off the boards this way. And it was just really interesting to see that I think that um, that leadership element, not only because of the impact that it can have on an up and coming player, but just the good that it can do for the organization as well. If that's the mindset of a, of a guy like Mark Shifley. No, Sarah, you're doing a lot of new features with the Jets, and one of them we just saw was Home Ice. With you, did, spoke to Josh Morrissey a few days ago. Maybe talk about some of these fun things that you get a chance to do, the behind the scenes opportunities you're getting, and and again, just getting a chance, which I think is so critical to introduce the fan base to the personalities of players. I mean, so many times we talk to guys, and I will say we are lucky in the sense that you have a lot of guys who give thoughtful answers, like the Lowry's yeah. and the Morrissey's. But at the same time, to be able to show them in a different light where they don't have to talk in hockey cliches, they get to talk about whether it's clothes or whether it's music or whether it's whatever, 
showing showcasing their personalities. And to me, one of the things we lost with COVID, whether it was like not having fan fests or development camps or whatever it was, was that connectivity with the community. And I think that you, what you're doing with a lot of these features is you're connecting players to the community that they didn't, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. So maybe tell fans about some of the things that you guys are doing at the Jets to kind of introduce players in a different way than what they're used to seeing. Well, when I came out, when I left TSN and, and came on board, it was one of the things that excited me the most about the opportunity because I've covered um, the Jets since day one. And I said that I still didn't feel as if I had an understanding of a lot of these guys as, as anything other than players on the ice. And, and you look at the way that fans, I mean, they're so passionate, Winnipeg Jets fans, within this marketplace, but the way that fandom in general has changed, right? Expectation, you want to know more and more about um, these players that you follow and that you're investing your time in and your money in and, and feel that connection to them. And so having the opportunity with Home Ice, as mentioned, where, you know, we had the, I had the opportunity to sit down with Josh Morrissey, who was really, when I broached it with him, actually, we started talking about it last year and he said he'd love the idea to talk about something other than, than hockey and show that these guys are more than just hockey players. Uh, and so we've had the chance to talk to Adam Lowry already, Morgan Barron, we've got a bunch of them in the works. So I'm looking forward to, yeah, just being able to show some of it. Cause you also sometimes don't. So these guys, we say, I didn't realize how funny some of them can be mm-hmm. um, and just some of their different interests. And, and from talking to Jets fans, one of the things that I always get struck by, it doesn't matter whether or not you are an eight-year-old that dreams of being the next Winnipeg Jet, or you are, you know, a, a 60-year-old woman who just loves um, hockey and this team. They want to know everything that they can about these players. And I'm always fascinated uh, by it. And so we're going to be doing that. We've got runway back again, which we've actually gone longer form this year. That was one of the things that we heard from fans last year was that they liked the behind the scenes glimpse. They wanted to see more of it and longer episodes. So our first one was 14 minutes. And we've got another one coming out next week where we had tease it. We had uh, one of the key players on the team mic'd up for uh, the home opener. So it should be a, it should be a good one there. And, we're just trying to do, show different elements, whether it be through social media and or, or features like this, that these guys are these guys are people, too. They have families. They have interests. It's amazing how many there be history buffs are on the team or or various things that just so that we can learn about them again, more than just what their their play on the ice or what the statistics or analytics tell us about them. Winnipeg Jets in Montreal to face the Canadians later tonight. The Illegal Curve post-game show will be after that game. Right now, we're joined by Sarah Orleski, Winnipeg Jets senior host and producer, talking about the Jets so far this year. And now, Sarah, coming up on Monday, the return of Blake Wheeler, certainly a game that's been circled on the calendar for a lot of people. I guess sort of a two-part question for you. What are you expecting you know, with, with when Blake returns there, the Rangers are in Vancouver tonight to face the uh, the Canucks. So they're likely to be in Winnipeg sometime tomorrow. So what are you expecting when Blake uh, comes onto the ice, presumably for morning skate on, on Monday? And then secondly, I mean, you, you probably know Blake. I mean, you've had so many interactions with him for so many years. Is there just one memory uh, about your time covering Blake Wheeler that maybe stands out more than, than the others? Um, well, I'll go with the first part, um, yeah. begin there with just what I expect the reaction to be. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, I, I would expect that we'll see, you know, for morning skate that guys coming onto the bench, maybe say hi or, 
it certainly we see them down in the after the game um, as by over by the visiting team bus is usually where you'll see the guys meet up afterwards. So expect to see that, and expect it to certainly be a a warm welcome back for Blake Wheeler after all of the years that he spent here, former captain, his connection um, with a number of charitable causes here within the city. So I expect it to be a good play. But I, I think, as you said, certainly a game that people have had circled. You look at the month of October, you mm -hmm. guys, like right away, every yeah. game it seemed short of really that St. Louis game that you could circle and go, okay, here's a major storyline impacting this game. And so it should be, it should be good. Plus it's always fun when, um, when the Rangers come to town, I always enjoy that sort of that matchup and seeing that organization and that team on the ice. Um, as for interactions with Blake, I mean, it kind of changed over the years. Blake was, you know, before he became, became captain and um, early on in his tenure with the Jets, I thought that he was maybe a little bit more approachable. I think before, was, I think that sometimes the captaincy and just even as he got older, you know, we just mature and kind of um, in terms of age and we just maybe at times change a little bit. I think he had to talk to the media a lot more or the, the expectations were a lot different on him as the years went on or it, but um, certainly, you know, shared some, some laughs over the years. And the one that's still, I always say that, People talk to me most when it comes to Blake Wheeler it was one of those first years where we did post game. We still did the Jets post game show on TSN and came out and he thanked and I thanked him for the interview and he said, thanks, man. I mean, lady, um, <laughs> which I brought up in that Reddit um, conversation yesterday, only because I'm shocked at how many times that still people um, will bring that one up to me. So um, you know, he could be, a, he could certainly, he could be, um, sometimes he could be really approachable and you could talk him about stuff and other times he was more guarded and, and certainly just wanted to kind of do, wanted to speak about hockey and, and just be done with it. So it was kind of a, a mixed bag when it came to Wheeler, but I certainly, um, think that he will be warmly received when he returns to the city as he should be. Is there a what is your biggest surprise uh, early on in this season? And I, I feel like I could supply you with a bunch of, of options because there really have been a lot of guys who have stepped up and, and I changed. Love multiple and... Choice, yes. <laughs> well, I give you multiple choice because to me, look, I, I love maybe... it. It was, it was, you know, it saved me sometimes in school. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll try and make sure I'll try and I'll try and push you towards C because everybody always chose C. So my third option will be the one I really want you to answer about, but no, I mean like, look, Kyle Connor, five goals in seven games. I mean, he had two and 18 last year. We expect him to score. That's what he's doing. You got Mason Appleton. We don't expect him to score three goals in seven games. He had five and 41. Or you can look at a guy like David Gustafson finally getting the Gus bus, getting out of the out of the hangar and getting a goal. The play of Rasmus Kupari, and he's the one player for me that I had no idea about. And I watched him at the you know every day at Hockey Center for All just to see what this player was. And you know he was fast, he was physical, he was a player I didn't expect. So from your perspective, maybe what's what's a early kind of thought that from a, something that not necessarily unexpected, but whatever, just an early season you know, player that's kind of caught your eye and going, wow, I, they're, they're impressing me with what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah. I think that parties are, I mean, they were all great. So I could choose all of the above for sure. Um, but that was an option. <laughs> this one's always got me in school. I'm like, sure. <laughs> they all seem reasonable. Go for it. Plausible. Yeah. 
why not? Um, um, yeah, I agree with you that I knew very little about Kapari. And I think that that's, you know, I think that when you talk to most people, I mean, including the coaching staff, admit, right, that they knew what they were getting. They felt they knew what they were getting in Ayafalo and what they were getting in Gabe Velarde, but didn't know necessarily what they were getting, what they could have in Kapari, but knew that the um, the ceiling form was much higher than what we've seen. So I've really liked what we've seen with him on, on that fourth line um, and the different ways that they've utilized him, certainly his speed. I mean, I think that was the first thing that most people talked about when that, when the new edge portion of NHL.com came out with some of the different statistics was the, the speed that Kapari um, was credited with having on there, which to be honest, I mean, I knew he was fast. I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um so, yeah, I I like what I've seen from a bunch of guys in a variety of different roles. Like I know that, you know, Cole Perfetti started center, has been moved at least for now over to the wing. I like what we've seen from him in the last couple of games. I think that we're going to continue to see him evolve. You think how little in terms of actual playing time that he has had throughout his career. You guys like he's at what, 70 70 something games for his career. He's such a young mm-hmm. guy, but you look at the pass that we saw his pass to Gustafson, um, which I love. You saw his great pass um, feed in the last game. Like he's just, I think that we're continuing to see guys grow. And I am always, as much as in order for a team to have success, you need to have that high end talent. Um, I love to see guys that are typically in your bottom six have success and start to play that prominent role, whether it be offensively or defensively. I'm a sucker for anyone in that bottom six sort of role. It's why I always joke that when they covered football, I love the offensive line, the guys that don't always get all of the the glitz and the glamour and the, and the credit for it. And I think that you see the way that Lowry's line, which has been, which has seen different players on it, but over the years have being at its core so consistent i love to see um i'd love to see guys have success in those sorts of roles so give me anybody off of the bottom six in in particular and i love to see it because i love that kind of i don't know if i don't know if blue collar is the right way to put it really but just that kind of hardworking uh nose to the grindstone sort of mentality is something that that i always just gravitate to Sarah, you know, uh, Scott O'Neill behind the bench now for the Jets. And of course, we wish, you know, the Bowman's, uh, the the, uh, the bonuses, sorry, not the Bowman's, the bonuses, uh, the best in health and, and a quick return to behind the bench. Yeah. You know, are you impressed, surprised just at how sort of seamless the transition has been? Does that speak to sort of how uh, Scott O'Neill and Rick Bonus are on the same page and the rest of the coaching staff as well, or just so that they're all simpatico, that they can make sort of this transition uh, relatively seamlessly? Absolutely. I, I mean, the the resume for Scott O'Neill, both, you know, in his years as playing and then uh, over the years in a variety of different coaching capacities speaks for itself. But I think that it does speak to the way that that coaching staff works together. Something that Rick Bonus has really pushed since, um, since they came together for it. And I think you even see that from the way that Rick deals with the media in terms of his coaching staff, that it's not always Rick that comes out and, and speaks. He really, that you'll have Scott O'Neill come out or Marty Johnson or Brad Lauer. I mean, they all take, different turns doing it so that although Rick is the head coach, um, they all have significant 
roles and and real ownership of it. And I think communication, that's something that we heard so much, right, with Rick Bonus last year, about the way that he communicates with players. I think that also the way that he communicates with his staff and just that the type of mentality that they want that group to have, it isn't a surprise to me. It's not an easy situation. It can be not only to once again be kind of thrust into this role, but also the concern about the bonus family. I mean, it's, you know, that's something that I think weighs heavily on everyone. Scott Arneal and Rick Bonus go back decades um, in terms of, in terms of friendship and their family connections. So it's not an easy situation, but I think that also that's a perfect example as to why Scott Arneal was a great um, coach to bring on to this staff. So that if, not that you ever plan for scenarios like this, but in this, but if you um, if you needed to have a coach step in, that you have someone with Scott O'Neill's knowledge and experience that as well, and you know he's destined to be a, a head coach again in this league for it. And I think that it's a testament to the environment over the last season and a bit that this group has put together that they are able when adversity hits um, with something like this that they are able to. Uh, at least in front of the cameras and at least what we see appear to be able to go through it somewhat seamlessly. Now, Sarah, every Jets fan wants every Jets draft pick to be a star and, sport, <laughs> you know, be a, a hundred point guy and da, 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 da. From a media perspective, selfishly, we just want these guys to be rock stars when we talk to them. That's and what I, I say all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so my point is that there is a lot of personality coming up through the pipeline Absolutely. And again, I know we're focused on the uh, the current regular season Jets, but you know, I listened to Rutger uh, was on a podcast yesterday, the 2022 first rounder of the Winnipeg Jets, and he spoke for about an hour. Well, on the on the um, on the podcast with a couple of guys in in talking about college, talked about the Jets a little bit, but Colby Barlow, Rutger McGroarty, this this next generation, from your perspective as someone who is a storyteller. How exciting is that? From your you know, again, you focus on the hockey as well, but just also that opportunity to have guys who as we saw during development camp and training camp have a lot of personality. So it is funny how, when you, depending, when you look at it more from a, from a business and a professional standpoint, how your perspective can change, because it is very true. Like I'll say certain guys will have gotten traded for the years and I'll say, ah, oh, you know, I'm so sorry <laughs> to see them go. And, and people will point out that either, you know, they'd gone out, they hadn't been producing offensively or they, or look at the struggles they have. I go, yeah, were a great interview. <laughs> so you do look at things, you do look at things selfishly and, and yeah. very differently. Um, so when you see, especially the way that the, the, that next generation interacted with the fans, the media, what personality you saw from them at development camp, mm -hmm. I was so excited, <laughs> Dave, because I can't wait. <laughs> you think that this is, I, I, so I think that we've seen, you know, um, an evolution from even so when I started covering I mean when I started covering the league it was in 2002 and I mean that at that time players were still playing in the league at a much older age and it was very much veteran heavy so you've seen this evolution as guys have gotten younger and I think that with this Jets team that we see currently right now, we're seeing more personality from them. They're recognizing that they want to be, you know, the importance of, of connection with the fans, but also just in this age of social media, um, wanting to, yeah, just show a little bit more personality and be themselves, not just be 
hockey players and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, but this next generation is our generation that have grown up their entire life with social media. And you look at guys that are coming out of college that, you know, now have the, um, the nil and that are able to, that, um, that are able to recognize that personality and kind of looking at themselves, whether it's, I know old school people won't necessarily like that. Sometimes players look at themselves as a brand, um, mm -hmm. but they are, they're used to showing it. And I think that, you know, hockey in particular, we've often seen guys not want to show as much personality or as some of the other um, sports and leagues. And I think that this next generation will see even more. And so when you look at the guys that are coming up and you look at some of the, that are very productive on the ice. So Jets fans, it's not that we don't care about, about what they yeah, do. Rucker Bregordi is, is exactly, uh, I think he's, tied right now or i didn't see what happened last night he had one assist as far as i could tell in michigan's game so but he's, he's, he's a, a leader of scoring but i but i also look because like i have a 14 year old daughter and she's can't wait for them because she loves watching some of the stuff that they you know their interactions on tiktok or on mm -hmm. various things so <laughs> i just think that we'll be able to see more personality from them and that's what everybody wants whether it's selfishly for those of us that are trying to produce the content or get the interviews you want engaging um, subjects or it or um, the fans. I just think that it's great to see what we've got coming up because it looks to be a real, it looks to be that great mix of skill and they'll be able to have success fully on the ice and transition to that pro game, but then also be able to show the personality that all of us want to be able to see. Sarah, last question for you. Uh, after having thrown eight interceptions in his last four games, Jordan Love of your beloved Green Bay Packers will throw over or under one and a half interceptions against my beloved Minnesota Vikings this coming Sunday. You know, I don't care if he throws four interceptions as long as they win, right. um, only because they must beat the Vikings. There are a few, you, you know, you Vikings fans are really quite annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm annoying in all walks of life, not just yeah. the Vikings He's not fan limited to just when he's a Vikings fan, Sarah. <laughs> but, but do, um, I'll, yeah, I haven't been happy with it. Really, I will say, I will say under, actually, you know what? We were talking to Mason. We had Mason Appleton out doing, um, shooting something with us the other day. And someone is asking him, because of course he's a Packers fan, being a good uh, Wisconsin boy in Green yeah. Bay. And uh, so he goes, yeah, you know, I haven't been happy with the way that it's been going. I go, I wasn't happy from the beginning. <laughs> this is <laughs> like, even though he got the wins early on, I was like, look at who the opponents were. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm just, you know, you go from having, I grew up in, uh, started watching the Packers when it was the Brett Favre era. And so that was what really got me into Packers. Cause you speak of, you know, guys at the time, especially if you were watching NFL films or anything like that, Brett Favre always seemed to just have a lot of fun out on the field, yeah. enjoying it. And then you go into the Aaron Rodgers era, you're like, okay, you know, a lot of success, <laughs> not a lot of Super Bowls, but, you know, still a lot of fun to watch. And I just, yeah. I'm not sold. I'm not sold on him there. I said it. But as well, long as they beat the Vikings, that's what really... You know, the bear, as long as they beat the bears, because then I don't have to hear about it from, from Toth, yeah. Toth, from Toth yeah. for it. And then there are so many. I love Ed Tate. Um, you know, with the Bombers. You're a friend yeah. of all of ours. He's with the Bombers. 
for years now, I'll often get a text from him because he's a huge Vikings fan as well. So I'll often get a text from him when the two of them are playing, especially <laughs> if Minnesota does well. So it's really, it's all about self-preservation. <laughs> there you go. Sarah Orleski, Winnipeg Jets senior host and producer, great friend of us here at Illegal Curve. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. We'll do it again real soon. There she goes. Sarah Orleski, always a great interview and a great guest. When we come back, more on the Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. Mark Dumont of Montreal Hockey now going to join us at the bottom of the hour for more insight into the Habs. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk with you. It's Saturday morning. We're live on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go. We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed fanalytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza. Powered by Fanalytics. So you're a pizza person. You married a wing person. But somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal. It shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com. Are you dreaming of your very own backyard rink this winter but dreading the work involved? Well, stress no longer because the Rink Guys are here to make it happen. The Rink Guys are Winnipeg's first outdoor skating rink installation and rink maintenance service. The Rink Guys offer free site evaluations and different rink construction options. 
Plus, they use a custom-sized liner to prevent any damage to your lawn. Lighting packages are also available to help illuminate your rink during those long, dark winter nights. To get your rink started today, visit therinkguys.com. Always great to catch up with our good friend Sarah Orleski. Good times. She's uh, she's great. Sarah has always been terrific, and uh, we appreciate her time and her insight as always here on the program. And uh, my fingers hit the wrong button before, so I restarted the show brief, very briefly. I hope yeah. uh, I know Dave M noticed that. I saw a little bit of a double take come out of Dave. I was M. like, "What is going on?" <laughs> I hit the wrong button. That's my. It's all good. I just thought for a minute I was like, uh, "Are we doing something different?" Maybe you were introducing a new segment. Uh, I was getting a little excited. I didn't expect it, but. Regardless, I thought it was a little a little exciting. Yes, yes, it, it it happens every now and then. I make a mistake. I know it's rare, and I know it's off putting for everybody, but uh, nonetheless, on occasion, it does happen. Want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zappy Group Realty, Betway—they're the title sponsor of the post game show that's coming up later on tonight after the Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. Tough Duck, hardest hitting comment—that'll happen as well on the post game. Boston Pizza, the Seagram shot of the game, Rolly's transfer and the rink guys support these fine businesses because of their support of illegal curve hockey sounds like the habs are going to get some reinforcements on their back end that's an area Mm -hmm. of concern for them caden gooley is set to return to the lineup that's according to ken weeb who is on site in montreal morning skate is taking place for the habs and then the jets morning skate should begin in about uh, 20 or so minutes time uh, from now and of course we'll bring you the latest news and developments the starting goaltender and any potential lineup changes not that we're necessarily expecting any but you never know maybe somebody's a little bit ill maybe somebody's got a little tickle in their throat and uh, isn't going to be able to play for the Jets but uh, we will find out more about that in the next 20 or so minutes uh, Dave this is a game again I think that the Jets need to have Mm-hmm. You know, you, you expect to be better than the Montreal Canadiens, albeit the Montreal Canadiens are off to a better start than I would think a lot of people have expected. Four, two, and one, the Habs are. They're scoring a very similar amount of goals to the Jets, two less than the Jets. They've given up the same number of goals as the Jets. The Jets obviously trying to tighten up on that front since uh, early in the year where the uh, pucks were getting in the net aplenty. Uh, Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, you look at these two teams, you look at where they are aspirationally, uh, and the Jets would say this is a one that we need to have. We expect to be a playoff team. We expect to have, you know, built our roster in the manner that potentially we can win around. You know, if everything breaks out, you never know uh, more than that. And the Habs, as you addressed sort of early on in the program, are a team that is still uh, trying to rebuild itself. A lot of talent up front. We know, you know, the names, uh, the, the headline names for the Habs are in their forward group. Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki. We know about all these guys. It's the back end that the Jets have to take advantage of when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. No, I mean, there's... There's no question about it, Drew. I mean, it's, 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 it is a fact that you need to, these are the games that you need to be able to win. I mean, again, mm-hmm. you want to be able to beat the good teams, the upper echelon teams. And, and yeah, look, Montreal has four wins. So uh, it's not exa- as if they, they're an 0 and 7 team. And I right. think sometimes that's important to remember, right? I mean, it's like when Jets fans were losing their minds over losing to Vegas. I'm like, well, Vegas has, came in and they were 5 and 0. They hadn't yeah. lost a game. So it wasn't like you beat a team and, and 
they were five and zero with all those injuries, right? They were missing a number of players on their back end, and yet they still looked like a pretty damn good team. So a team that uh, was a defending Stanley Cup champion, and I just think that you you can't take a team like Montreal lightly. You can't no. go in with an expectation like this is this is an easy game. And I'm not saying that the Jets are doing that, of course. So I just think like from a Jets perspective, you've had everything kind of break the, your way, right? You you've had You've put together a win streak, so you're feeling good about your game. Your team, your coaching staff has given you a fair bit of time off, right? Like they used Wednesday mm-hmm. as a travel day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday was presumably they referenced it as a day off, but yeah. I, I mean it was it was I'm assuming unless they may have traveled after and had to give the players because I know you have to give the players certain days off. So we'll see, but they're also off on Sunday. So the fact of the matter is the Jets have a lot of rest. As I said, this is the opportunity for this team with the pacing of days off travel days and the schedule that there's no excuses really for a jets club to be like, Oh, we were flat or whatever, because they should be rested. I mean, you could say you're maybe not as crisp because you're not playing as much or you're not practicing as much, but ultimately these are the advantages that you look for in a season. And and one thing we heard from Rick bonus uh, during training camp was when they looked at the schedule last year, they didn't like the Jets' schedule. They didn't like the way, Everything kind of played out for them when you looked at the totality of the 82 games. They He specifically said they like this schedule. And you again, it's early. It's only seven games in. It's right. you know, not even, I think, what we when did the season start? Two weeks ago, Drew, or something like that? Feels like it was like a year ago already. I think, but, I think it's 17 days ago now. If I look back at the calendar, yeah, I think the, the season started October 11th, yeah. if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So, I, I mean, again, like I said, to me, it's it's not like the season has been that long, but again, you've been lucky in the sense that the schedule has played out the way you have, and you've played well through the majority of those hockey games. So the Jets have to be feeling confident in their group. And again, ultimately, even though we talked about the ice time, start to roll that group because you do have the confidence that your fourth line can get things done. David Gustafson, again, almost had a chance, didn't have a goal last year, had a right. chance for his second one uh, la- uh, last game has uh, had a number of chances and again is doing well on the PK and we talked about Rasmus Kupari and and all of these guys you got Morgan Barron on your fourth line he's getting that opportunity to jump up of course it's the battle of the Barons as Kenny Weeb yeah. of the Winnipeg Free Press wrote about in the Free Press which you of course can read in the morning papers on illegalcurve.com we can't read mm-hmm. Kenny's article but you can be linked to Kenny's article well, but you, you should buy read. a subscription and then you can read Kenny's article well, obviously that's, that's the only way you'd be able to do it now what I was going to yeah. say with to Sarah, we didn't, I didn't get a chance to, but like it used to be that saying Sarah Orleski of TSN just felt natural, right? Because Sarah right. worked for TSN for so many years. Then when T- Sarah left TSN to work for the Jets, that to me was like a foreign concept. Like Sarah, I associated with TSN, but now saying Weber, Ken Weeb of the Winnipeg Free Press, even though I know he began his media career many, many moons ago with yeah. the Free, it's, it's, he's now the, the, the title holder of most unusual guy with an organization so kenny well done kudos to you kenny's of course on the road trip so any information we're getting is coming yeah. via kenny and uh yeah like i said that this is a this is a montreal team that you as you said uh, not the right side drew because we know johnny kovacevic 
is is patrolling that right side. And you'll, it'll be interesting to see. He's not patrolling all three positions on the right side. <laughs> that is true. That is yeah. true. But no, it's again, not a, it, it's not a name brand defense. It really no. isn't. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, Justin Barron, of course, Morgan's brother, I mean, is playing an elevated role over where you would expect him to be playing. He's, you know, mm -hmm. Jordan Harris, you know, I'm not familiar with Jordan Harris and I'm not, you know, going to pretend I am. Gustav Lindstrom. I mean, these are not names that roll off the tongue of any, uh, you know, expert hockey watchers. I mean, they just aren't. And so that's why the Jets need to be able to take advantage. And that's where their depth is, I think, going to uh, come into play. The, the improved depth is something that we've talked about all season long so far because it's been a significant factor. But when you can roll those four lines and when you can keep your players, by and large, relatively fresh, you know, throughout the course of the game, then you should be able to take advantage of uh, a weaker team's defense where you can continue to roll that out and continue to hem them in their own zone. Because, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, you know, they, they are not a great possession team. The Jets are a better possession team than the Habs at this point. The Jets are, of course, uh, right now they are seventh in, in, in uh, Corsi 4 percentage. The Habs are towards the bottom third of the league if I'm not mistaken, yeah, 20 seconds. So, the, you know, the Jets should have a possession advantage. They should be able to take advantage of that weaker defense. But at the same time, you know, the, Jet, the, the Jets have to be concerned with Montreal's firepower, particularly, you know, in that uh, in the top of their lineup. You know, Cole Caulfield, great young player. Nick Suzuki, we know, great young player. Both those guys are off to pretty good starts so far this season uh, for the Habs. Sean Monaghan, veteran guy, not as young as he once was, also playing some pretty good hockey. That line up, itself, up the, the Monaghan line that with Tanner Pearson, Drew, and Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, I mean, again, look, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the Montreal Canadiens. That's, that's why, why we, we have. Mark, uh, that's right. That's why we have Mark Dumont coming. As you say, we'll allow Mark to to tell us about what's going on in Montreal. Yeah. But I again, getting ready for the show and getting ready to write the pregame report. You do a little bit of reading about what's going on in Montreal, and from everything you're hearing, I mean, people they're very satisfied with the way that line has kind of come together. So. Look, there's a lot of youth, there's a lot of inexperience, but right. they're 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 growing together as a group, similar almost to what the Jets had to do with their forward group uh when they had to kind of, you know, take a step back as you will, knowing that they were going to get that deal with some growing pains, but the benefit of course would be that these guys are kind of being a, a trial by fire and learning the you know at the NHL level as opposed to learning in the AHL. Well, you know, I would say about Montreal's forward group, and it's a word that I've used a lot, you know, about some of the Jets' depth forwards, is that mm. it's a prof they're they're fill it's a forward group that's filled with professional hockey players. You know, again, Tanner Pearson, Sean Monahan, Brendan Gallagher, all guys who are a little bit longer than in the tooth and have probably seen some of their best days uh, come and go. But those are guys who are bona fide NHLers, who are, who are professional hockey players. You know, mm -hmm. Josh Anderson and Alex Newhook. Alex Newhook, of course, new to the Habs, younger guys still, but, you know, came over from Colorado. Um, you know, professional hockey player. This isn't a guy who's, uh, you know, a fringe guy who's playing over his head. He's a guy who's still trying to get, you know, up to speed a little bit, but there's no question that he belongs in the NHL. Josh Anderson, a guy who has given the Jets fits over mm -hmm. the year, um, really struggling to start this year. I believe Anderson has all of one assist. So he's got zero goals and one assist in seven games. So you know that Josh Anderson is a guy who's looking to get himself on track. That's a guy who's the Montreal Canadiens need more from him. And he's a guy who always, uh, 
you know, shows flashes, but this is very inconsistent. That's the knock on him going back to his uh, Columbus days, uh, yeah. if I recall correctly. And they're playing with Slavkowski, who, of course, was the high pick of the Montreal Canadiens a couple of years ago. Another guy, only one assist in seven games. So they have the Habs do have that mix of young talent and veteran talent that makes their top three forward lines. I would describe them as intriguing slash dangerous, especially with a guy like Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki guys who are able to really uh, take over games. And, and, you know, if you're not careful enough, so the jets do have to certainly be very much aware of the Habs and their forward group, but they also need to be able to take advantage of that weaker defense. So you could almost say that the forward groups for both teams are almost a wash. You know, maybe the Jets have a slight advantage in that they have Kyle Connor and that they have Mark Shifley and some exceptional goal goal scorers, you know, but it's pretty close. It's the defense, and not that the Jets' defense is anything usually uh, to write home about, uh, you know, by and large when you compare it to all 32 teams in the NHL. But if mm-hmm. the Jets' defense is middle of the pack, for argument's sake, the Montreal Canadiens' defense is probably bottom five, given what they're planning on rolling out there tonight. And that's an area the Jets have to take advantage of, Dave. Yeah, I mean, again, I think you've laid it out quite nicely, so I'm not so certain what I can add to that uh, topic, Drew. But I, I mean, I think... That that's what you do going into any game, right? You try and figure out where your advantages are in the your opponent and and exploit them. And I think that Jets have done a fairly good job of playing within the system that they've created. And again, like you know, you you know that Rick Bonus brought in a different one that Paul Maurice had. And even though that people get sick of hearing about systems and da 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 da, the reality is it just seems like there's a lot more comfort in guys playing within the system. And one of the guys we have to highlight because his play has been really good within the system is Mark Scheifele. Sure. And Mark Scheifele's been great. Mark Scheifele through seven games has been, again, we saw it last year in, in, in spurts, but we didn't see it consistently. And mm-hmm. again, I'll throw in the caveat that it's seven games, but at the same time through seven games, you have to like what you're seeing from Mark Scheifele defensively, breaking up opportunities, getting back in time to be an, an asset defensively. So to me, that's, that's been one of the things he's been coming that, all-around center that the Jets desperately needed him to be. He's mm-hmm. not a one-zone guy. You can expect Mark Shifley to play in all three. So to me, uh, Mark Shifley's play is has been significant. And and again, you need more from Kyle Connor defensively. But again, that line is now readjusting itself as they absorb Alex Iafallo. Mm-hmm. And I and again, I like Iafallo up there. I thought Nita Ryder would be the natural fit, but Nita Ryder again is worked really well with. Uh, Appleton and Lowry, so you you don't really want to mess with it. And to me, again, it becomes a function of, you know, again, like I, I see what you're saying in terms of that wash element, Drew. Yeah. So so again, you do have to do the things, and and ultimately, whether it's Laurent Brassois or Connor Hellebuck, which we'll learn when we're having Mark on, I would imagine. So uh, we'll we'll maybe throw it into the chat while Mark is chatting. What Kenny's keen eyes see at morning skate. Yeah. But. Again, I just think it's it'll be just an interesting hockey game. And and look, I, I you know one of the comments in the chat was like Jets always get humiliated on on hockey night. But the other one of the one of the corresponding comments was you know every day is a new day, and, and so that's the reason why we watch hockey games. That's why I always laugh when I see these like projections, and it's like, well, what's the point of playing? They've made a projection based on a multitude of factors that could transpire from day one to day two, let alone you know game eighty two. 
So there's there's a reason why you watch these games every night and you listen to these shows is because something new happens, some variable gets added or subtracted that makes it interesting to watch and changes the elements. So Here, uh, it'll no, I was going to say like I just think it'll be a it'll be a good one tonight. And again, like I said, it's just it's a it'll just be a more uh, it'll be an additional piece of information for us to see how a Jets team that feels good about their game goes into Montreal and see how they can take care of business. Yeah, uh, quick updates on the Montreal Canadiens roster for tonight, courtesy of Mark Dumont, who's going to join us uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour in, in a few minutes' time. So I mentioned Caden Gooley coming back into the lineup. So is Yoel Armia, so the former Winnipeg Jets player, of course. Yoel. Been... Yoel. That's what I said. Yoel Yo-Yo Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. Is, is he a cellist as well? <laughs> you know, I don't know about that, but uh, uh, he's going to be in the lineup along with Caden Gooley, as we mentioned. Uh, Jesse Yelonen and Gustav Lindstrom uh, are coming out of the Montreal Canadiens lineup, and Jake Allen will get the start uh, versus the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Jake Allen, uh, been you know again another guy who's been uh, goes very hot, and when he's when he's hot throughout his career, yeah. even back in the St. Louis days, when mm-hmm. he's been on, he's been very difficult to beat, and when he's not on, he's really a bit of a sieve. He's got a 929 save percentage to start the year uh, so far. Uh, so he's been playing very well for the Montreal Canadiens as well. So the Habs uh, lineup changes, those are them so far uh, with uh, with tonight's game. And, uh, of course, we'll know more about the Montreal Canadiens when we talk to Mark Dumont coming up momentarily here on the program. But, the you know, the, this is still a Winnipeg Jets team, uh, uh, you know, where they, they need to take advantage of the Habs back end, even with the addition of Gooley, uh, which is, which is, you know, a better, uh, you know, which is a better addition to their back end. The Jets still need to be able to take advantage of that. You know, and it's always fun to play in Montreal on a Saturday night, a uh, hockey night in Canada, H Nick, as I like to call it, only I like <laughs> to call it, but I like to call it that. So, you know, forget about the, you know, the Winnipeg, related attendance issues it doesn't matter anytime you're playing in a montreal or a toronto or any sort of original six market on a saturday night with the spotlight on you it's going to uh be one that the players themselves get a little bit more excited for uh, and 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 have that little bit of an extra boost to start the game and so the jets need to channel that and try and jump on this montreal canadians team early when you face Young teams like the Habs, young with the exception of sort of that third line that's very uh, that's that's veteran laden. You want to get mm-hmm. off to a good start. You want to make them feel you know bad about themselves. You want to get that extra boost and maybe take the crowd out of it because we know how uh, in Montreal particularly they can fend they can feed off the crowd and the reactions thereof. So that's going to be something that I'm going to look for tonight. The start that the Jets have against against the Montreal Canadiens. Well, I'll be watching to see if the Baron family are doing the split jersey down the yeah. middle with a Jets slash Montreal or Canadians jersey. We'll see if they're doing that. That was the old, uh, well, I remember Ryan and Drew Miller's uh, parents, mother specifically, used to do that where she would wear uh, Red Wings, Sabres, yeah. uh, you know, amalgamated jersey. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if we see that on the Baron family, which I suspect will be featured numerous times throughout the broadcast on uh, on Sportsnet.
no question about it. Still nothing better than when the Primo brothers fought each other. That was still by ultimate yes. the best uh, brother on brother interaction when it came to uh to the NHL. Let's go to break. When we come back, Mark Dumont, of course, is going to join us to talk more about the Habs, more insight into the Jets opponent. We'll bring you the latest, of course, from Winnipeg Jets morning skate, which is set to get underway momentarily. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, do what Dave M is showing you to do, pantomiming, playing some charades. Do that, and we'll love you forever and always. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on a Saturday morning. Bottom of hour number two. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk with you. Jets and the Montreal Canadiens later on tonight. And then afterwards, the Illegal Curve post-game show will bring you the latest on tonight's contest. Of course, that'll be right around 9 o'clock or so, maybe a little bit before that, but within a few minutes of the all-important 9 p.m. hour. To talk more about the Montreal Canadiens, we're pleased to welcome to the program from Montreal Hockey Now, Mark Dumont joins us on the show. Good Good morning, Mark. How are you, good friend? We cannot hear you at the moment. Yes. No, we cannot hear you. Still not, still can't hear you. Okay, one second. I will ramble incoherently while Mark addresses <laughs> his audio issues. No worries. It happens all the time here. Uh, not, the, not the first time nor the last time that this has occurred, but we will work through these issues as things go on. It's the beauty of live television. Uh, this Can you call this television? Yeah, you can call this television. Why not? Or on a screen somewhere. I think that's good enough for it to be called television. Uh, according to Mitchell Clinton, on site in Montreal, as expected, uh, Connor Hellebuck isn't taking warm-up shots from Dylan Sandberg this morning, as he usually does. Laurent Brossois is in the visitor's net, so it would appear as though he gets the start tonight in Montreal. Mark, can you hear us? Can we hear you now? You can hear us, but we still can't hear you. Nope. Nope, still can't hear you. Maybe do you want to leave the studio and come back or something along those lines or restart the computer? Okay, we're going to work through. There he, he goes. He can, he, can always, he can always test. Maybe just text him. He can test it before he comes in, I think, under the settings. It's true. You can test it in the settings. It's uh, you know, he, but Mark will, Mark will work it on. Uh, we'll work it out as he always does, and he'll join us momentarily. But like sure. I said, Lauren Persua getting the start uh, over Connor Hellebuck. I mean fine with me it doesn't uh you know well, you uh, have to get him you have to get him into some games right when, you know when there's been so such a lack of back-to-backs and there aren't any really uh on the horizon you got to give them games where you can that's right and and tonight is a good game to give i mean you under like you do understand the idea right but i mean it's uh, connor hellebuck's played three games this week so i mean it's uh he's playing really well and there really would be very taxing for him to go in tonight but i suspect you know you want to have a good effort against the rangers on monday so you'll let Connor Hellebuck uh, take that game, and the Rangers are playing some decent hockey. I think that they, uh, I believe they've torn through Alberta. Now they're, you know, as you said, Drew, into Vancouver this evening. So we'll see what they can do on their Western Canadian road trip, a uh, road swing. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how they um, how they use this goalie tandem. But one of the things we talked about is you want to get uh, you know Hellebuck a little less, a little more rested. So we'll give Mark a chance to one, test his audio. Oh, there we go. One, two. I, I heard, heard it. I heard yeah, it. Yeah, but is it is it good audio or is it bad audio right now? No, it's no, good. It's better than it's better than no audio. That much I can assure you. <laughs> well, no, it's just that now I'm using my computer's actual. I have a mic. Yeah, it's a good looking mic. We have. Hey, that yeah, one. well, 
it looks good, but that's about it. I, I'm going to, yeah. no, you know what? If you can hear me, okay, I guess I'm not going to play with it anymore. Is this okay? This yeah, no, we're good. fine. It's better than okay. we sound, and we have and we have good mics. So that, <laughs> well, that's a thing that says a lot about us. The last time I used this mic, they said I sounded like I was, uh, you know, speaking from um, Atlantis under the sea. So it doesn't sound like I'm SpongeBob or anything? No, no, you're good. Hey. No. And well, frankly, a, a SpongeBob might be a good addition to this program. You know, you've seen him uh, does those NFL broadcasts now. Might as well do uh, some uh, illegal curve broadcasts too. I always feel so out of the loop because I'm I was an '80s guy, right? And I didn't watch a single damn episode of that show. And now mm-hmm. it turns out that it's everyone else watched SpongeBob. I helped, me was the Simpsons guys. I don't know about you, but I was really yeah. into the Simpsons. No, yeah, we're, we're too old for SpongeBob as well. But my kids, uh, you know, keep a keep an eye on it every now and then. And the theme song is a is, is a banger, so you can't go wrong with a good little SpongeBob uh, SpongeBob theme song. Well, it's it's fun, right? And that's uh, that's that's kind of what Montreal Canadiens are doing right now with the rebuild. You know, they're not the best team, but I'll tell you right now, they're fun to watch. And it's been a long time since the Habs were actually fun to watch. Well, let's talk about that because we've been previewing today's game, of course, and talking about the Habs. And mm-hmm. you, there's no question what the strength of the team is, and that's the forward group versus the back end. But you know, you look at that defense, and there's not a lot of household names on that defense. So, how have they been able to get off to a good start with with the sort of defensive shortcomings that they ha- that I that they have? You know, it's funny, but um, everyone looks at guys like Caden Gooley or, or Jordan Harris, Mike Matheson uh, as the guys that will really run you know, the defense, but it's been Arbor Jack guy. That's been the most dominant guy. Statistically speaking, like if I go full nerd and I really polish these glasses, Arbor Jack guy has been the most dominant defenseman, not just because he can lift a minivan over his head and with one arm, but (laughs) he's actually been playing really well. He's been doing fantastic defensively. He's been launching the attack. So Arbor Jack guy right now is the Montreal Canadiens star on defense, believe it or not. Well, Mark, got to ask you about a guy that I covered here with the Manitoba Moose for so long. Oh, of course, my favorite. Up. I know, and I, I follow your posts uh, about. I love him. about him, and I'm like, oh man, that's that's just uh, salt in the wounds for for folks who who knew what the Jets organization had in Johnny Kovacevic. Uh, but of course, they they took a risk with the contract. They thought that they could get him down to the Moose, and of course, they learned a lesson. And the Montreal Canadiens were the beneficiaries of that lesson. So what have you seen from the player that the Jets organization put a lot of time and effort into? He's a great guy off the ice. And he looks like he's becoming a great guy on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm so glad you mentioned the off-ice stuff, Dave, because Jonathan Kovacevic is the kind of guy that you not that you'd want to grab a beer with is that you'd want to go camping with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he'd, he'd be busy. He'd come back and you're like, look, I built a shelter, you know, I'll take care of the bourbon, but yeah, he's just an amazing guy, a great person. And I'll say this, he's that prototypical, quietly efficient defenseman, right? He's not flashy by any means, but since Jonathan Kovacevic has been claimed by the Canadians on waivers, he's been their best right-handed defenseman bar none. It's, it's mm-hmm. not just that he's been good recently. He hit the ground running and you know, it, it's unfortunate for the Jets, but I feel like it kind of worked out really well for, for Kovacevic. So that part is great. And honestly, I, I don't know if there's even space for Kovacevic in that lineup in Winnipeg. So he's found a new home here. And the biggest thing here, Dave, is that he's dirt cheap. His contract is, it, it, it's found money, right? Mm-hmm. So he's outplaying David Saval. He outplayed Kaden Gooley last year. Um, he's just been the perfect addition. And no matter... Who plays with them? Whether it's Arbor Jacki or Jordan Harris or Keaton Gould, like 
Jonathan Kovacevic immediately makes all his teammates have better underlying numbers. And when he's on the ice, they don't get scored on. And when he's on the ice, the Canadians score. So, you know, from, from start to finish, Jonathan Kovacevic has been a revelation for the Montreal Canadiens. And last year I fought all year. I'm like, stop including him in your damn trade, uh, your trade <laughs> suggestions. Cause this guy is the best defenseman the Canadians have on the right-hand side. So I'm happy for him again, because of what you said, Dave, he just, he's, he's such a great person. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, he's one of those guys that we would do uh, like a summer edition of the show. And we, I talked to him and you could just talk and talk and talk. And he's look, he's a guy who has an engineering degree. So not only is he, a, is he a good guy, smarter than us. hockey, but he's a very smart guy and he knows what he's talking about. A lot of other elements. So and, and being last, this summer, what I love, okay. All the guys go to Cancun, right? You could tell the Habs the last three games, they, they were in Mexico, you know, they, they were already ready to go. And, Kovacevic, he bought a van and he went road tripping with his his fiance, I believe. You know, yeah. so like it just goes to show, like that's exactly what I would do. You know what I mean? Go 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 yeah. get lost in the forest. So, but <laughs> but he really has been legitimately good. Now this year, not as amazing as last year, but hey, man, on a defensive core where where there's so many rookies, there's so many holes. Kovacevic has been a godsend for the Montreal Canadiens. Mark Dumont of Montreal Hockey Now is our guest this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, getting his set for the Jets and the Habs later on tonight. And Mark, you look at Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, you know that those guys are the driving force. And you wrote about this uh, in your in your pregame column. Raphael Harvey Pernard is playing on the right side with them. And, you know, he, he's been struggling, but at the same time, he's one of the unluckiest players in the league. So is he the right fit for to play with them and it's only a matter of time until things come together for him or are you know when you say unluckiest and i know it's not your number i think it came from um uh, it was money puck, puck i believe money yeah. puck sorry money puck you know uh, you know how how has that sort of expressed itself in on ice performance i mean you know ideally i don't think you want Rafael Arby. like it's the best story the habs have had in a long time right this guy toils in the minors and and he really makes it like last year he he was on the fourth line in the ahl at one point you know, if he would have been a healthy scratch, if the Canadians had any any healthy bodies, so the fact that he made it up to the top line, started playing well, is great. But look, Cole Caulfield's five foot nothing. Suzuki's a tall five foot ten. Rafael Harvey Pinal's five foot six. Listen, as a shorter guy myself, you don't want your top line not being able to to ride most uh, roller coasters, right? Like that. That's an issue. Like they they need help reaching stuff from the top shelf. So size wise, it's not ideal. However. Rafael Arby Pinal will outwork guys twice his size, you know? So, so there's value there. I just don't think long-term you want, you know, your, your top line to be averaging about five foot nine. That's really a return for the Canadians to a time of the past when things weren't all that great. And it's funny that I say this because, again, I like skill over size, but I still think you want a little more bite there. The problem is they've tried Josh Anderson, and mm -hmm. God bless him. He's a north-south guy. He can't do east-west. Once, once you slow down the game... Josh Anderson's lost. Like, he just needs to go 100 miles an hour from one end to the rink to the other. And there's no one else really that fits there. Last year, Kirby Doc looked great on the top line. But then that you start to ask yourself, does Nick Suzuki need a center on his line to be good? Sean Monaghan looked good there, too. Same problem. So right now, the Canadians are really struggling to kind of find that, that top line uh, uh, winger. And I'll say this because this is a Winnipeg show and I won't get too much hate it's time to separate Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Now that's a whole other sub subject, but uh, and Montreal will hate me for it. But they just so far they look good, like they're scoring goals. But the nerd numbers are saying destroy this this pairing because or this duo because they will get outscored and they have been getting outscored, uh, well, especially that, last year. 
there's there's parallels here in Winnipeg to that with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. You know, they always score goals, but ultimately the nerd numbers is uh, your your turn, not mine. But uh, I appreciate. I get it. to I'm say not, that. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I, these glasses are pretty thick. Also, True. I can also get yeah. away with it. But uh, you know, same. They're, they're people. You know, they they seem like they've been connected at the hip for so long that it's the only option is to play them together. But truthfully, they do often you know give up more than they necessarily score. It's, yeah. it's it's sort of a conundrum that there's there's parallels between both situations and both markets. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I believe Kyle Connor. We can probably say he's not going to win a Selkie anytime soon, right? Neither is Shifley. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Shifley's getting better though, Drew. Yeah. Well, there you go. And and I've said the same about Caulfield. He's been getting like his defensive placement. He's been hitting guys. He, he last year he really hit the gym. He was getting sick of being bullied, but. Again, there's no there's no real defensive presence on that top line, a little bit like what's happening in Winnipeg. So, you know, Nick Suzuki has kind of had to take the bulk of that, and that's really kind of slowed down his offensive uh, his offensive numbers. But the fun part here is that, believe it or not, it's the it's the old man line that's doing well in Montreal, and I call them old man line, but it's. Listen, Sean Monahan just turned 29. Yeah, they're um, younger than us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tanner Pearson's 31. Brendan Gallagher's 31. Like, if they're old men, then we're all Methuselah, you know? We're, we're, we're <laughs> but um, we call it the revival line or the, the, the resurrection line here. But they've been actually playing quite well. And it's great to see a guy like Tanner Pearson, who, let's be honest, got screwed over by, by the Canucks. He's doing really well. Sean Monahan's having, he's been the Canadian's best player. And Brendan Gallagher, believe it or not, you're going to see him a lot like he was a couple of years ago. Um, you know, just a little ball of hate, maybe not quite to the Ray, Ray Ferraro level, yeah. but uh, he's just an intense player and he's, he's he's playing well. So that is going well for the Canes. Believe it or not, it's their, it's their younger players that are kind of not really finding the rhythm. But the old man line, which again, average age is about 30 and a half. They're, they've been doing quite well for the Canadians. You know, Mark, I know you you pay attention to what's going on in Laval and and making sure that you know the pipeline is is working. So, what are you seeing from Laval coming up that you know over the years maybe Montreal didn't have uh, before? Well, one really fun thing, Dave, is that and as you mentioned, they did not have it. Joshua Hua is the Montreal Canadiens' top offensive prospect now. If you're build, rebuilding, I don't think you want Joshua Hua as your best offensive prospect. I mean, that's not insulting him. Like, we saw him with Connor Bedal at the World Juniors. Bedal said, like, damn, this guy's good. Yes, he is 200-foot player. And sure, it was the best player Bedal had played with until that point. But if you're going down the list, I don't think you really want him as your top, you know, your top uh, uh, offensive prospect. That being said, he's a fifth-round pick, and he's leading the AHL in scoring right now. Um, so I, I don't say that. As an insult to Roy, I say it more as the Canadians definitely need more offensive value or offensive talent. But right now, Roy has hit the ground running. Uh, you know, he had 11 points in five games. He, right away, his first shift cuts to the middle, scores a goal. So you're seeing a guy that's ready or, or as close as he is to being ready to the end, to get into the NHL. But the cool part, Dave, the Habs left him down there. Like they, they, they recalled our friend, UL Armia, who mm -hmm. got sent down. Um, and by the way, Armia, 10 seconds into his AHL assignment, scores a goal. But um, <laughs> so they recalled Armia, and uh, today they're going to be playing Armia. And I love that idea. Leave Hua there. Let him, as the youth say, let him cook in the AHL. Bring him up a little later. Like, there's no point in rushing him. The Habs rushed Kotkinemi. They rushed Galchenyuk. They rushed Slavkovsky. They have to be careful here. They can't screw up Joshua Hua. He was a gift from the gods, you know, from the hockey gods. A fifth-round pick who's leading the AHL in scoring. As a rookie, you can't screw it up. So 
as exciting as he is, it's time to to just kind of take a deep breath, let him let him kind of cook in the AHL. And the same thing for Logan Mayu. He scored his first goal yesterday. People want him up. Let them play in the AHL. There's a lot of value, uh, as you know, you've covered the moves for a while, to having a talented AHL team. You know, Mark, you mentioned Slavkovsky, and he's out zero. I don't think he's got a, a goal yet this year. One assist in seven games. Same stat line as Josh Anderson, for the, for uh, that matter. We'll talk, uh, you know, leave Anderson alone for now. <laughs> you know, with Slavkovsky, you know, are, are the Habs mishandling it? What are they doing here? How do they how do they find, you know, how do they, how do they get him back on track to where he was drafted? It's so unfortunate, and it speaks to kind of the lack of depth in the lineup. But when Kirby Doc went down, mm-hmm. it wasn't just Kirby Doc that, and I feel so bad for him because, goddamn, he he was ready for you know he was playing well, his numbers were off the charts, but he was also playing with Uri Slavkovsky and Alex Newhook, another newcomer, and they worked really well. It reminded me of the old NHL game where you'd pick like fat medium or skinny guys you know <laughs> so they had one skinny guy in alex newhook and two two big guys in doc and slavkovsky slavkovsky was playing well and unfortunately the moment doc was out of the lineup you're, you're missing center depth that center talent right so newhook took over but he's not a possession guy what doc would do is that he create time and space for his line mates and that was great for slavkovsky because in my opinion he was rushed last year um, and this year, they had to put him in a position to succeed. That means top six minutes with your best transition center in Kirby Dog. So unfortunately, that's no longer the case. He's kind of floundering out there. I, I would say he's playing well, but they need to answer your question. They need to get him confident again. And I don't believe he'll be he'll gain that confidence by just getting a, a chance every two nights, right? So the Montreal Canadiens were afraid to put him in the AHL last year. And I will say this: I think Kent Hughes has done a great job with the rebuild so far, and. People probably agree outside of Montreal circles. But what they did with Slavkovsky was they said, listen, we thought about calling him up, but what if we're sending him down last year? But what if he doesn't play well in the AHL? What would people say? My opinion, who gives a shit what people would say, you know, if he's in, like, honestly, what does it matter? And and if your first overall player can't play well in the AHL, there are bigger issues, you know, than, than, than the perception around the league. So... They rushed him, and unfortunately, the legacy of Kent Hughes is tied into Slavkovsky. Well, not unfortunately. It's just the way it goes. David Reinbacker, great pick too, but not the sexiest player, right? So we keep going back to this lack of offensive talent. And if a guy like Slavkovsky can't get going, Kent Hughes will forever be known as the guy that passed on Zach Benson, who passed on uh, 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 Matvey Michkov, you know, really high-end, talented players. And, and that, unfortunately, will, will, will be enough to basically say he failed his project here. So... Slavkovsky is playing okay, but at this point he needs points, and I just don't know where he's going to get them. That, that's the real issue. We're seeing him a lot more feisty, though, and he's a really hard guy. He's not going to lose his confidence. He's a hard guy to really bring down, but as you guys all know, eventually, after weeks and weeks of, of not seeing your name on the score sheet, it gets to you. So I personally believe they need to get him in a situation where he's playing 20 minutes a night, 25 minutes a night, power play, you know, everything, and that, unfortunately, is not going to happen in the NHL. Mark, we are, you know we know what Marty St. Louis brought to the ice as a player. What are oh. you seeing him now is uh, in his second year, I believe, second full year as a head coach with the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, I like that you say second year because a lot of fans are saying, oh, no, it's, it's the third year. Let's be honest. When you pick up midseason, yeah, yeah. all you're doing is you're, you're weeding, right? It's like you bought someone else's house and you're taking the weeds out. <laughs> That's it. That's all. Um, <laughs> I'll say this, Dave. The guys would run through a goddamn wall for him. That's how, like, he... 
he has this ability. I don't think he's great in X's and O's. Actually, I'd say it's a weakness. But when you have a guy that went through got waivers, you know, got got basically discounted his whole career, but then he went out, he won everything, like every single award that's ever existed. You can't look at him and not say like, damn it, I'm going to listen to what this guy says. And it's kind of a theme with the Canadians. You have Alex Burroughs, you have Trevor Letkowski, you have Letkowski, you have Stefan Rabida. These are all guys that had gotten waived or really didn't weren't given a chance and then ended up succeeding well in the NHL. So there's a common theme there. Um, the guys just will do anything for him and they, they, they love him from prospects to veterans. They really do love him. He's honest, no bullshit. That being said, he's, he, he's not a great tactician and, and that's kind of what we're bumping up against this year. Bad power play, bad penalty kill, five on five play isn't great. However, I will say this, and this is again, going back to what you said about his second year, this is where you want to start to see improvements. The Canadians are actually have a huge share of the high danger chances. They're doing quite well. They're getting outshot, but they're right up there with the top players, uh, teams in the league for high danger chances. So that huge, huge advancement for the Canadians. And that's the kind of thing that you want to see from Martin Saint-Louis because he's learning on the job, but um, you can't get by with just good quotes your whole career. You know, we saw it with Joel Bouchard in the AHL. It's got a really limited shelf life. So he's starting to see some results from the underlying numbers. And, of course, his, his players just love him. You know, how do you not like a guy like Martin Saint-Louis? He tells us in the media to go eat shit all the time. You know, it's great. Like, he defends his players. He He's he's really just an affable character. But he's not sucking up, you know. He just knows how good he is uh, or how good these players can be. And they really trust him now. But, again, we're get, hitting up on the issue where he was elite. His players aren't. And he's kind of confused. Kind of like when Gre- Wayne Gretzky went to coach, he's like, "Well, you know, just do what I did. Be the best. You know, be <laughs> one of the best players." Doesn't always work like that. So I believe the Canes will have to bring in a tactician to kind of support Saint Louis. But um, you know, for now, we're seeing improvements in high danger chances, and that's very important. You talk about the high danger chances. The Habs right now, Mark, second in the league in PDO. Is that oh. a sign to you that you think that they're probably going that there's sort of a a, a correction coming as there usually is? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I will say this. Um, you know, when you look at their, I believe Montabo and Primo, they have three goalies, which you know that always works out. Um, their <laughs> numbers aren't great. Ones, Jake, you have no number ones. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> number number two, a number three, and a number four. Right. Um, I love the fact that Jake Allen. Everyone kind of discounted him, but. You know, until last year, he was the goalie of those three that has always had the best numbers. Mm-hmm. And this year, he's back on, you know, he's added 929 this year. Great. I'm very happy for him. But the Habs have had a, a good amount of luck um, so far. So as much as they're trending upward, I would say it's not silly to, to expect them in the bottom five once again this year. Because just there's there's so many question marks and they've been getting by on Suzuki being great in the shootout on Jake Allen having great years, but like an Arbor Jack, I, you know, playing well, I don't know if that's really sustainable. So when you look at uh, the prospects coming up last next year, guys like Cole uh, Iserman or, or Macklin Celebrini, those are the type of players that Canadians need to put their hands on to be contenders. And um, the only way to do it is to finish in the bottom five this year. And I think there are pretty good odds that that happens to the Habs. So, Mark, last question for you. The Habs, like we said, we they're off to a good start. Most people in Montreal have to be happy with four, two, and one. Yeah. You know, w- with young teams and teams that aren't, you know, uh, that don't have exceptional amounts of talent. What's often the tipping tipping point between success and defeat for Montreal so far this season? 
It's been that they've been getting kind of uh, production from every, every, well, actually, you know, believe it or not, their young defensive groups go back to the first question. have actually been playing really well. Caden Gooley out of nowhere. Now that he, and no offense to David Saval. I love the guy, man. He's such a, like, he's a good guy and whatnot, but he's an anchor on the ice. People mm-hmm. keep saying, play him with the young guys so that he can help them. It's the other way around. It's, 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 let's be perfectly honest. This guy's always been a second or third pairing guy. Shouldn't be on that top pair. But Kanan Gooley's been playing well. Jordan Harris has been playing playing well. Um, Arbor Jackai has been playing well. Jonathan Kovacevic has been playing well. So Justin Barron, you know, back-to-back goals. So we're going to see the Battle of the Barons tonight. <laughs> really, I would say, despite not getting as many headlines as last year, it's their defensive group, that young defensive group that's been playing so well that's really helped them out. But uh, again, let's not expect this to last. Like, like they're gonna, the, the Habs are going to be fun to watch, which is really important. But... They're going to be bad too. So it's as they say right now in Montreal, it's a good vibes, bad team. You know what I mean? So entertaining, but a lack of results. Yeah, that's what they say about us as well. Good vibes, bad show. <laughs> you know, there's parallels there all around. <laughs> I always love coming on with you guys, though, no, because you know, honestly, the great part is that um, you guys do your homework too, right? Like that's the other part. I have guys that'll come in here like, so Maurice Richard was a good player. Like, yeah, absolutely. He was a good player. So I always appreciate you guys. Cause you have that knowledge that goes well beyond the NHL too. Cause you know, like you, I, I spend way too much time watching prospects in the AHL. You see, you know, uh, Europe this year, Switzerland. So um, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's always a good time. And we appreciate Thanks, you making yourself available. Mark Dumont from Montreal Hockey Now. He'll cover tonight's Jets-Habs game. And you can read about it, of course, later on tonight on MontrealHockeyNow.com. Mark, thank you for this. Appreciate your time and insight. Uh, enjoy your game day, and we'll do it again real soon. Cheers, guys. See you next Cheers. time. There you go. Mark, Mark Dumont joining us this morning. Always fun to get together with Mark. Brings that great energy uh, to the to the broadcast. Uh, that was a, uh, he set me up with a good line with, for a good line there, so I had to take yeah. advantage of it. And you know yeah, how yeah. I love the self deprecating jokes, Dave. Of course, you know that's my favorite thing is, is self deprecating. But uh, nonetheless, it'll be an interesting battle tonight in Montreal. The Jets and the Habs will uh, meet against one another. It's a game that the Jets certainly want. They want to finish the seven day period. Four and oh, and that's sitting there in front of them, just waiting for them to grab it. And we'll find out later tonight and talk about it on the Illegal Curve post game show if the Jets are able to grab the proverbial brass ring. You know, I don't know if it's a brass ring at this point in the season, but you know what I'm saying nonetheless, right? Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I oh. knew, I knew Drew wasn't going to give me a Manuk Moose minute, and I was like, "I'll take." No, no, no! I was prepared to give you one. You got, you got. I mean, it's one fifty-six fifty-two on the clock. So there you I'm go. Not, there's your. I don't there's need a lot. Time frame. I don't need a lot of time, but I will say the Moose were in Texas Cedar Park yesterday. They had some delay of game. It wasn't a penalty. There were some know. technical issues yesterday in the game. So the game was slated to start at seven p.m. Actually, started at eight p.m. because they had some uh, on ice issues with the the machinery i believe so that kept delaying the start time so they pushed it back a little bit there's only a couple of changes for the moose uh 2021 first rounder Chaz lucius he took a stick to the face in the win against the uh the a2 win last saturday against the iowa wild so he was not in the lineup he's day-to-day i'm told so he didn't play christian michael drew back in the defense stayed the same and oscary salmonen got the net uh, over Colin Delia, who played both games last week against Iowa. 
And uh, this is just a short two-game road trip for the Moose in Texas, and then they'll come back, and they're playing, I believe, Rockford to start uh, next week. And we've already given away a bunch of the tickets for those games. I think we got two tickets left. If someone wants to go to this, uh, is it next week's Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday? Regardless, you call, have, your, you call yourself the Moose Insider. Well, I try to focus on the, the task at hand, Drew, not what's going on down the road. I'm just saying we still have two tickets left, but I can give it those away on the post game show. I'm pretty sure it's Friday, Sunday, because I think the Jets play the Coyotes at home on Saturday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. No, they don't play them at home. They're on the road. They play. It's an afternoon game in, in Arizona. Oh, it's in Arizona. On, okay, I knew yeah, they were playing but, Arizona. I didn't know when the when which, the hell the game was. Now that I think about it, means I'll probably be doing the post game show from uh from the arena unless it's the exact same time whatever we'll figure that out that's a, a story for another day the story of today though is that the moose uh were in texas found themselves down one nothing before wyatt bon giovanni who's now remember was dealing with a groin injury it's he saturday, uh started sunday, training week. saturday sunday okay yeah. so he was dealing with his groin injury he tied the game nice tip on the power play and then kyle capo bianco actually yeah. it's bianca Sorry, it's not Bianco. We all were mispronouncing it last year. Got to work on our Italian. But the fact is, whatever his, however you properly pronounce his name, he's on a heater. He's got four goals, I think, in five games for the Manitoba Moose. He scored again yesterday to uh, tie the game. Again, another power play goal. That one came in the third period to tie the game. 2-2. Overtime solved nothing, although it was a poppy got a little sloppy. Uh, lots of opportunities. And then in the shootout, the only guy who scored was Brad Lambert. So he got the one shootout goal. Oscar Salmonen made all the stops, kept making all the stops through. And as a result, the Moose win 3-2, improving to 3-2-0 uh, and two and o on the season. And then we'll have a rematch with the Stars tonight in Texas. So you can listen to Daniel Fink make that call. And of course, we'll have highlights posted either on illegalcurve.com or on our Instagram. So make sure you're following along to get all the latest Moose news. Should I do a moose, uh, a Mendel moose minute uh, tonight on the post game show? Please do. Nah, I probably won't. <laughs> I'll be honest. I may, I may or may not be jumping on from from wherever I am to uh, okay. to, to quickly give a, an update then. Okay, fair enough. It'll be yours truly on the post-game show tonight. Uh, likely solo, so good Lord for all of us. Oh, it's going to be an experience and then some, but we'll be there to talk about the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. Game time tonight, 6 o'clock post-game show, somewhere around 8.45 to 9 o'clock. We hope you join us back here for that fine show it shall be that's it for this saturday morning and the illegal curve hockey show here on our youtube channel a big thank you to sarah orleski a big thank you to mark dumont a big thank you to all of our sponsors rumors restaurant and comedy club linden market dental center zapia group realty betway tough duck Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rollies Transfer, and The Rink, guys. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. Like I said, we'll be back later tonight for the post-game show. But all day long, IllegalCurve.com is your destination for the latest Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose news and audio from Drew, both may, you, game Drew, days. You, you may have a, spawn, uh, a co-host. Who's that? Spencey's going to get a fancy mic oh, today. Okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. We don't need a fancy mic. Mark Dumont uh, proved that uh, when he just joined us, Spencey. As long as you bring the goods with the uh, with the attitude. And Spencey's the doing it from the hot tub, Drew. 
Okay, well, perfect. Then we're then I see no problems whatsoever with how tonight's post game show is going to go. Can a post game <laughs> show be off the rails uh, ten hours before it begins? I'm not sure if that if that is possible, but uh, it might already be the case. Nonetheless, I'll be here. I hope you'll be here. Not sure who else will be here. Maybe nobody. We'll find. I may be there on tonight. Thanks everyone for joining us. Have a great rest of your Saturday. If you, if you haven't done so, smash the like button. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us. Leave feedback. those. Hold on, Drew. Let me interject quickly. Okay. Folks, I don't make pleas often. Actually, I do. I yes, constantly do. actually in the chat. I'm every con- single show, in fact, you make pleas. Well, not necessarily after every single show. I just ask you to do that, and I do my little writing thing. But yeah. what I do often is ask people to smash the like button, which yeah. you've already done, so I'm not going to do that. But if you can, because I think the last comment was maybe a Phyllis comment. No, it was Tracy's comment. Last, you know, so we need some comments uh, on the old podcast. Let people know, because that's how, again... This is how you help the YouTube algorithm. Comments on this video are always good. But if you can, go to iTunes, give us a rating, whatever you feel like is necessary, five. But, <laughs> you know, maybe add a comment or two if you don't mind. We, we appreciate that. Helps get the, the, the juices going for, that, for the podcast. We want to spread the word about the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and the Illegal Curve Postgame Show. There you go. It'll be back later on tonight. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Have a great Saturday. We'll see you later around the 8.45, 9 o'clock for the postgame show. Until then, for Dave Manuk, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, And visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.